Engine and rescue. Respond to three alarm structure fire. Welcome to the Lad Life Podcast, where your hosts talk all about how to prevent fires in your marriage, as well as your health and fitness journey. Suit up, grab your pre-workout as they talk about living in fulfillment every day. Now, here are your hosts, firefighter paramedic Shane and his better half, Michelle. Welcome back to another episode of the Lad Life Podcast. On today's episode, Michelle is going to be sharing a significant life event that has shaped her life in so many different ways. Michelle is going to be sharing her cancer story, so before we start, we just want to let you know that we'll be talking about cancer, and we understand this can be a very tough subject to talk and hear about. Michelle's goal is to share her story in hopes to help anyone else who may be struggling or going through something similar, and even just to know her on a deeper level. With that, Michelle, I'll hand it over to you. So, as Shane kind of already said, I am a childhood cancer survivor. At the age of three, I was diagnosed with retinoblastoma, which is a cancer of the eye that begins in the retina and is most common in children, but is still rare overall. Only about 200 to 300 children are diagnosed with retinoblastoma each year in the United States. If found in time, it can be treatable and the eye can be saved. Mine was found fairly late, but in enough time to at least save my life. So I will just kind of start from the beginning with a little timeline of what happened. I actually just got off the phone with my mom because I was three, don't really remember what has happened or what happened and in what order, so kind of helped me there. So I was born in Colorado Springs. We lived there until I was about three years old. Around the age of three, my dad's company was transferring him and they actually asked him like a preference of where he wanted to go. It was gonna be out of state. And all he said was anywhere but Florida. They didn't want to be in this hot, humid armpit of a, of a state. A few months later, when they had decided where they were sending him, it was Florida. So I'll kind of get to why that's so significant later on. But um, so we ended up in Florida. After we had lived here for not very long, um, I actually didn't get the specifics there, but I know it was only a few months. One night, my dad was brushing my teeth and he noticed a white cloud in my right pupil. He mentioned it to my mom. They thought it was kind of weird. Didn't think too much of it, but just kind of kept an eye on it for, no pun intended, for the next couple of weeks. One day at church, my one of my parents' friends was a radiologist. They were kind of just talking to him about it and they were trying to get it to show because it was only visible in certain lights. Like if there was a camera that had a flash, like it would show up in that flash. Um, Or if they shined like a really bright light, that's really the only way that it would show up. So they really never got to show him what it looked like. But he even kind of raised some concern. A week or so went by, um, my dad was driving to work. My mom said this was a Tuesday morning. She knew down to the day and times of my appointments, which literally blew my mind. My dad was driving to work on a Tuesday and he uses his drive to work as his quiet time. So he was just kind of praying about things. And he called my mom and he was like, hey, you need to call and make Michelle an appointment. And she was like, okay, like, yeah, I'll look around. And he was like, no, hang up the phone, look for a doctor's office and get an appointment as soon as possible. So we were new to the area. So my mom was kind of, 
doing some research on where we should go. Um, and she found Tuscola Family Practice. That's actually where I still go to this day. My dad called her on a Tuesday morning. We had an appointment at Tuscola Family Practice on a Wednesday. And after looking at me, they sent me to an eye specialist in Altamont. We had an appointment there on Thursday. So Wednesday night, my parents were trying to get pictures or just kind of like history. Yeah, evidence of what was going on. So they were, my mom said they were trying to, back then, the old cameras that you'd like put on your shoulder. She was like, you had to look in it with one eye. And it was funny when she was trying to explain it to me, but apparently they couldn't get it because, I mean, I was three. So I was just like playing around. My dad used to video us all the time. So I thought it was like, playtime, time for daddy to record us doing random stuff. So they never really could get anything on camera. But my mom said they had actually just taken a bunch of pictures over these couple of weeks, not for any specific reason. And they were developed because that's what happened. That's what you would do back then. And they got them back shortly after everything had happened. And so they, you could see them in those photos. So anyways, that was Wednesday night. They were trying to get it on film. We had an appointment at the um, eye specialist in Altamont on Thursday, and they sent us immediately to Shands. So Shands is a huge medical hospital, right, which is in Gainesville, which is about two hours from Orlando. And we got an appointment there on Friday at 10 a.m. And then I was in surgery at 4 p.m., So they actually didn't have any surgical rooms open at the hospital when we went there. And so they actually had to send me in an ambulance to a surgical center nearby to do the surgery. And then they uh, brought me back via ambulance. But what's really cool, my mom was telling me that the doctor that we were referred to at Shans, Dr. Hamed, I believe she said it was pronounced. He was supposed to leave, this was a Friday, he was supposed to leave on a family vacation for um, like a week with his family on Saturday. And he wanted to be the one to do my surgery, so that's why they ended up transporting me to a surgical center so he could do my surgery that night. He actually ended up also postponing his vacation. They moved their flight from Saturday to Sunday because he wanted to be able to follow up and check on me Saturday before he left on his vacation. Like I actually have full body goosebumps thinking about that. He changed his family vacation day for me. And when we told our when we told our other doctors that Dr. Hamed was the one who did my surgery, they were shocked because he's like the main eye specialist doctors and then he has other doctors under him who most of the time do the surgery. So my mom was telling me they just they had a really good relationship with him and he had had younger kids at the time and just he said that my story had just really hit home with him so i just think that's really cool that he went above and beyond to do the surgery for me himself so after i got out of surgery and they brought me back to shans i was in the icu for i think my mom said about a day there was no specific reason why i had asthma too so they wanted to just I was three, I was young, I had asthma, I had just had this major surgery. And so they wanted to be sure to fully monitor me. So I was in the ICU for about a day. And then I was, um, what do you, do you get released from the ICU? So I was taken from the ICU just to a a regular room on Saturday. And then I was discharged on Sunday. So before we move on, do you want to explain what your surgery was and what happened? Yeah, so essentially... 
had my parents have waited even just a few more weeks, the possibility of the cancer spreading to both my eyes and possibly my brain was extremely high. So they basically just did a deep cleaning of yeah. my eye. They took my eye out. You they, can probably explain They removed better. her whole eyeball, mm-hmm. not the muscles or anything behind it that control the movement. They put in a prosthetic globe, but her whole eyeball is gone. And the, the they, retina, right? The retina, Because that's of what it, it was yes. on. Everything happened so fast that my parents didn't even know that a prosthetic eye was even a thing. They just thought that I was going to live with a patch over my eye for the rest of my life. So after I had gotten out of surgery, they had taken my eye. They had explained what they were doing before I went into surgery. They just thought that was it. I was going to have a patch over my eye for the rest of my life. So after I got out of uh, surgery, I was in the ICU. Um, Dr. Hamed explained to my parents that they are there are specialists who make prosthetic eyes, and they kept that muscle that connects to my eye because that helps my eye move a little bit. It moves some. It doesn't move, obviously, as much as a normal eye would, but that's why they kept that. So they, from what I think my dad explains to me, they removed everything in there, and then they put in like this dome thing that my prosthetic eye sits on and then that muscle is connected to that to help it move. So that's kind of what the surgery was. Um, So speaking of the prosthetic eye, the surgery and all that stuff and going back to how I said my dad didn't want to be in Florida and that's where we ended up. There are three at the time, I should say, there are more now because this was um, over 25 years ago, but At the time, there were three doctors that really specialized in retinoblastoma and then also made prosthetic eyes. One of them was in California, one of them was in Texas, and one of them was in Florida, I'm pretty sure. And Texas and California were not even options for my dad to transfer to. So God's hand was already on this before my parents even found it when he was getting his transfer. So I just think that's really cool that the one place my parents didn't want to go is where we ended up, and that's where pretty much the number one doctors in this for my case ended up being so and not only like we weren't just in the state of Florida we were two hours from Dr. Hamed and then Dr. Gold and Dr. Guzman who is the he makes my prosthetic eyes are all in the radius of less than two hours so it was just crazy so after my surgery on um, Friday I was in the ICU for about 24 hours I got out of the ICU on Saturday and then I was discharged on Sunday to go home we were staying either I think we stayed in the Ronald McDonald house and then Dr. Hamed went on his vacation and I believe my mom said that he had called them once or twice on vacation to just kind of check, check up on me so again I think that is so neat so we had a follow-up appointment with him a week later And then he referred us to, since he was in Gainesville, which is two hours from Orlando, he referred us to Dr. Gold, who is in Orlando, and I still see him to this day. For the first five years, I had to be checked every six months. Because they removed everything, I didn't have to do any chemotherapy or any radiation. So I did lose my eye, but I didn't have to go through chemo or radiation as a three-year-old, which I think is a huge blessing. And so... Dr. Gold, it can, it still is that there is still that chance that it can come back. So for the first five years, I was checked by Dr. Gold. Every six months, he would just do some eye checks on me. And then now I go once a year. It's been actually a few years since I've gone back. I need to make an appointment now that I think of that. But so that's kind of the follow up treatment. I had an eye patch on for 
two months just while things healed because obviously there was a major surgery. So I had I wore an eye patch for two months and then making a prosthetic eye is a pretty lengthy process. We'll normally do it because Dr. Um, Dr. Guzman is also up in Gainesville. He has an office here in Orlando, but he's not here very often. So we try and squeeze it in in a day and it's like a full 12 hour day because they have to make the mold and then he paints it to look exactly like my eye. I say Dr. Guzman. He's not a doctor. He's actually, he's basically an artist. I mean, the work that he does is unbelievable. I actually have quite a few of them because I learned that your eyeballs, they're not the same size as when you were born. They grow with your body. So I have like different sizes and stuff. It's really cool. And it's also cool to see the color in my eye change throughout the years. So the prosthetic eye, just to kind of explain it, is if you take your hand put all your fingers together and kind of hold it in like a... Like a cup. Yeah, shape. like a, like if you were to cup water in one of your hands or catch water in one of your hands, if you turn that, that's actually what my eye, my prosthetic eye looks like. It's not a, a ball. Cartoons, you see like prosthetic <laughs> eyes that are like Literally round a and like a, a bouncy ball. That's not what it is. That would fall out. Yeah. So it's basically... It's like a semicircle with like an indent in it. I'm like making it with my hand right now. And then it basically goes into my eye there it goes kind of up into my eyelids still so it doesn't fall out and then it kind of sits on the globe so if you make a fist with one of your hand hands and then you cup your other hand like you're catching water and you put them together like you're putting your fist in the palm of your hand that's what it looks like i'm doing it right now but nobody can see it maybe i'll do an instagram story on this when we post this but so it's not a circle or a ball it's basically just a little semicircle with a dent in the middle and there's a little heart at the top because there is a top and, and a, bottom. a bottom so there's a heart at the top to know what side or what end goes in first because it keeps your eye lit up correct yep yeah it kind of goes like super hey maybe i'll even be bold enough to post a picture of it yeah maybe not i don't know we'll see but it's kind of it's really cool looking um i'll, I'll get because so uh, I guess I could explain it now. So I do, I should take it out way more often than I do to at least clean it and stuff. Like it's been getting pretty goopy. I say goopy, like I get a lot of eye boogers lately. And so I should clean it more often than not. I just personally hate taking it out. Nothing against Shane. This is very new to him. I think you've only done it once, right? My dad has always been, the, my mom, she's done it a few times, but my dad has always done it. He just kind of puts it in and pulls it out. It's like second nature to him. But to take it out, if you think of like a plunger that you would plunge a toilet with, we have a really mini one. It just suctions on. He lifts the bottom part out and then the top part slides out and then he'll clean it with like peroxide, right? And then to put it back in, he'll hold my eyelid up, slide the top in and then slide the bottom in. It's only ever fallen out on me once. I was crying really hard when one of my boyfriends broke up with me and I had rubbed my eye just the wrong way and it like popped out on the table and I was home alone and I was like, I don't know what to do. And I just like shoved it back in. I don't know how, but that does not happen often. My eyeball does not just fall out. Do you want to tell them what your eye is made out of? It's not glass. That's a common misconception. They're like, I have a glass eye. Yeah, that's what I call it. So I'm pretty sure it's made out of porcelain because if we drop it, I mean, it would shatter into a million pieces. So I'm almost positive it's made out of porcelain. And then there is like a shiny glaze that goes over it. Basically to make my eye, he puts some like a plastic mold in my eye that's filled with, I guess, 
wet porcelain. And then that, like, I'll close my eye, I'll blink a, couple, a bunch of times, and it's like in a cage. And that's how he gets the shape. And then he'll take it out, let that harden. That's why it takes so long, because he puts it into like a like a heater to harden it and then he'll put it back in and then it'll still be somewhat soft and he can make adjustments like I'll say it kind of hurts me in the top right and he'll take it out and he'll kind of like fix the mold by hand and then I'll put it back in so it's it's a very lengthy process to make it um, but he I mean I don't and he sits and he sits there and he hand paints them yeah. to match her other eye so yeah I'll just sit there and do whatever I'll read a book or I used to do my homework and he would sit there, he'd look at one of my eyes or look at my eye and he would paint it like the detail. It's very detailed. Like it, I mean, it's very hard to tell. He does a great job. I mean, there's like, he paints on veins, so it looks very real. I was very blessed with a really great, he's called an oculist. He's basically an artist to make my prosthetic eyes. He actually is working on, if he hasn't already, uh, retiring and his daughter is actually taking over or has taken over his practice. She actually made my last one. So it's really cool to have the family still be involved. So when I was in fifth grade, we had to go and do some special tests. We got some bone tests done because sometimes this kind of cancer, when you hit puberty, it can come back in the form of bone cancer. So we got some bone scans done to make sure I was all clear there, which I was. So after the surgery, I followed up um, every six months just to kind of make sure everything was still going well. And then after that, once a year. Everything happened so fast. I, the question I get often is if I remember anything, and I truly don't remember any of it. My parents, after thinking about it, think that I might have just been born with no vision in my right eye. Like my dad tells me this story that we were driving one time. I was in the back in my car seat, and a trailer with horses was on the right side of the car and my dad was like hey look at the horses over there and I just kept saying like where I don't see it I don't see it so they think that I just really had no vision but there's no way to tell I mean I was three I couldn't be like hey I can't see out of one of my eyes I mean I had no idea and then another question I get often is like what is it like not having vision there and basically the best way for me to explain it to somebody else is if like you had an eyeball on your forehead like I don't see black, I don't, I just, there's, it's just like there's nothing there. It's like if there was an eyeball on your forehead, it's just there. So I just solely see out of my right eye, or I don't see out of my right eye because that's the one I, I solely see out of my left eye only and my peripherals, is that how you say it? My perifs are not as wide. I've gotten into a few accidents in the car because I don't look enough, but that's neither here nor there. And you don't have restrictions, you could drive, you could yeah. do, live a normal life. Yeah, and that was one thing when I was younger. Again, this was, so, this was so long ago that it's come a long way, but the doctors weren't sure that I would drive or do normal things that a daughter would do. But I live a, it's, no, I live a very normal life. Basically, all of this happened in August, and then by the middle of October was when I had my prosthetic, my eye was healed, and... We started on life with a three-year-old who had a, we call it a fake eye, a prosthetic eye or a glass eye. Now that you shared the details and timeline of your cancer story, I'm going to ask you some questions if that's okay. Sure. As you get older, how did this affect the different aspects of your life? Let's specifically start with school. Okay. So elementary school is, from what I can remember, which I don't 
I feel like I can't remember back that far, but um, elementary school is pretty normal. I feel like kids are still or were still young at that age and not something that they would notice. My eye isn't something that they would notice. So I don't really have memory, any bad memories of elementary school. Middle school, though, was pretty tough. I feel like just middle school for anybody is not the greatest time. But I just remember I was... I don't. I wouldn't say I was bullied, but I was made fun of. Um, people would tell me I'm cross-eyed, which that's really what it just looks like. I have a lazy eye, and so that's kind of when I started realizing that I was different. I mean, in elementary school, I just kind of lived life. I didn't realize that what had happened to me wasn't normal. So in middle school, when stuff started, when kids would start poking fun or asking me why my eye looked weird, that's when I started to kind of realized that I was different. And then in high school, starting in ninth grade, I went to a private Christian school and I went there kicking and screaming. I did not want to go to this private Christian school. But after, just after even like the first couple of weeks, I almost wish I had gone there sooner. My parents had decided to send me, but I wish I had gone there sooner just because I feel like middle school might have been a little bit easier. But I feel like that time in middle school really shaped kind of who I am now and the ability to just kind of take hits like that. So as you got older, how did that affect your dating life? So I was extremely self-conscious. I felt unworthy. I felt undeserving. And that was by no means from the boys that I dated. I didn't date many boys in high school or whatever. I didn't date many boys at all. But it was never something that they made me feel. I just felt that internally... I felt those things. I felt unworthy. I was always self-conscious about it. I felt like they would look at me different, but that was never the case coming from them. I was always nervous to tell my boyfriends just because, I don't know, I didn't know how they would take it. Like, oh, I don't want to date you anymore. And they would just dump me, but that was also never the case. But looking back now, I just think it's silly that I was so scared to tell just people in general, I guess, because what are they going to (gasps) do? Ew, you have a fake eye like it's not my fault not something that I wish I would have cared so much about but it did I feel like it it affected me a lot it must have been very difficult I couldn't imagine growing up different and going into high school middle school dating all that stuff and especially being a female like that alone is hard but being a female with one eye uh, I, I couldn't imagine how difficult that was for you I feel like my parents carried a lot of I wouldn't say burden, but I do feel like they were, I mean, they felt for me. I mean, they, I'm, and I feel for them because I couldn't even imagine how tough that was. Like their three-year-old daughter, they, I mean, they weren't even sure if I was going to live. So, but just kind of carrying that through those times, I feel like it was just as hard because here they have this daughter who is self-conscious about it. And co- they were constantly reminding me that, this does not define me. Like they were making sure, like my parents told me so many times how beautiful I was, even in middle school when I was like a chubby, ugly little girl. I wasn't ugly, but I I mean, everyone goes to that middle school stage. But yeah, I mean, it's just different. Yeah, it's just different. Going into adulthood, going into college, going on interviews for careers, finding a career, a husband. You. Yes, me. (laughs) Have those self-doubts faded or do they still, do you still have them pop up in your head? Honestly, they still pop up. I mean, as much as I try and say that I don't care what people think or whatever, I mean, it's always going to be there. 
So I think it's just a constant reminder. But like even like for my career, when I went in for job interviews, I was very self-conscious about it because I was like, they're going to think I'm, again, still even as adults, I was like, they're going to think I'm weird. What if I don't look at them straight on and I'm cross-eyed? Like, am I not going to get the job? Because I, it looks like I may have not really a disability, but it may look like that. So yeah, it's always just kind of in the back of my mind, like what other people are going to think. And then, I mean, the same for you, like when we first started dating, I feel like I was kind of at a point when I didn't really care what people thought. Like, I feel like college, like those few years in college, I went through a state of just living free, I guess you could say. Like, I didn't really care what people thought. If you didn't like it or you thought it was weird, then I don't need you in my life. And I kind of went through that. And so when we met, I feel like I was in such a good place that I just, if you thought it was weird, then you weren't my husband. And so I think when I told you and... I mean, we joke that I have one eye and Shane has one kidney. He was just born with one. So we're a little nervous of what our kids might come out with. Hopefully they have all four of their limbs and are healthy, but we joke about that all the time. I mean, it's just something that when we met, and I I mean, I've gotten a lot better, but I do, I think about it all the time. I just feel like I'm not good enough because of that, which is silly because I'm not less smart because I have one eye. So sad. Okay. Don't cry. What are some subconscious habits that you have? Oof, there's quite a few. My dad always taught me to look somebody nose to nose. So like if you look at me while I'm while I'm driving, I will have like a normal person their nose is centered on the steering wheel. That would cause me to not be able to see a lot of the road. So good thing I don't do that. I center my left eye on the road. So it's almost if you look at me while I'm driving, it almost looks like I'm looking off to the side instead of looking straight on. But that's just, I turn my head slightly so that I can widen my view of the road. So going back to looking nose to nose, I try my hardest because naturally to look at someone straight on to me would be to center my left eye on their face. But that would mean I'm looking a little bit sideways and then my right eye wouldn't be looking the right way. So I always try and look people nose to nose. And then when taking pictures, kind of the same thing. I either like turn my head slightly so that my right eye is kind of not prevalent in the picture as much. Or if I'm taking a selfie, I literally take it of just the left side of my face. If you ever see a selfie of me, their right eye, unless I'm wearing sunglasses, probably not in the picture. And then I feel like I'm always like pulling up on my lid because my eyelid droops a little bit. I had a surgery in high school to try and get my eyelid lifted and pinned back and it it worked a little bit, but it still droops every once in a while. So I feel like I'm constantly pulling up, I'm doing it right now, but pulling up my eyelid so my eye doesn't droop. What's the biggest life lesson you have learned from your cancer? As silly and cliche as this may sound, it's the people that mind don't matter and the people that matter don't mind. So basically it's as simple as that. If they really think it's weird, then they just don't deserve to be in my life. And the people who could really care less in a nice way, obviously, they're the ones who really deserve to be in my life, like you. Yeah. What is one piece of advice you'd give someone going through a similar situation right now? Mm, That's really good. So I'm going to preface answering this by saying, I know it's hard. Like what I'm about to say is really hard. But you have no control over what others think about you. So my advice to you would be, you do you. 
Like if you don't want to look people nose to nose and you want to look at them so they're centered on your eye if you only have one eye, then just do that. And if they think it's weird, like I said, they don't deserve to be in your life. If you, I, I hope to one day get to this point, but if my eye is a little bit droopy in a picture, like who cares? It's just, I'm going to do me and I'm going to do what makes me happy. Again, I still struggle with this. I mean, I still, in selfies, cut the right side of my face out. So it's something I'm still working on, but I constantly, I have a shirt actually that says it. It says, you do you. And it's true. Whatever makes you happy, the people who mind, they don't matter. And the people who matter, don't mind. And just don't be afraid or ashamed of your story. I just keep telling people, tell it loud. I told my cancer story publicly for the first time the middle of last year on TikTok, and I was blown away by, I found people who have retinoblastoma, which I've only met one other person in high school who had had it. I have met people on TikTok, on Instagram. We found out one of the guys that Shane works with at the station, his girlfriend had it around the same age. We majored in the same thing in college. Tell your story and tell it loud. God gave you this story and he put that like he put me through this for a reason and it's really cool now to start to see those things play out so you do you and tell your story and tell it loud you've definitely come a long way but what is your biggest struggle to this day still in all honesty what i've answered in previous questions like i know i am i sound super super confident about not caring what people think but i still struggle with that I meet new people at the gym and I'm like, oh, they're going to think I'm weird. Do I look cross-eyed right now? Like, I feel like it's always in the back of my mind. And I think that's something that will always be something that I do struggle with. But I constantly have people in my, my life that remind me that, yes, I'm different, but it doesn't matter. Like, Shane loves me regardless of having one eye. And I know there's, he's not the only one. Our friends that know, I mean, all our friends at this point know, but it just... It seems like a big thing in my world, and it is, but in everybody else's world, they don't see it any different. They don't look at me different. Like, they don't view me as a lesser of a person because I have one eye. Oh my gosh, stop. Shane's tearing up. I can't handle it. But it just, it will always be a struggle to me. But I just have to constantly be reminded that people don't see me the way that I see me. I'm constantly looking at a picture and I'm like, oh, my eyes droopier. Oh, my eyes looking a different way. And Shane's literally like, I don't even notice that. Most people don't. Here, stop. Okay. I mean, it is an everyday battle that I feel like I'm fighting with Satan, but I work at it every day. I, like I've said, I have people in my life that constantly remind me of my worth and I mean, I just pray that you have those people in your life. If you are struggling with anything, how you look, how you feel, shame that you're carrying that isn't physically seen, but that you feel it, just don't be afraid to share that with other people. I don't know why I'm so emotional. Just... What? Just picture a little baby Michelle. Oh. Going through all that. And we will end with this question. Michelle doesn't know I'm going to ask her this, so this is an unplanned question. But if you had the chance to go back, would you change anything? Honestly, no. Hold on, give me a second. Thinking back, so this is actually the first time that I have ever 
verbally told my story. So I hope that it made sense and came off. I can, you can probably tell my voice was a little raspy the whole time. Um, so, I mean, it's still pretty hard for me to talk about. And I'm, I'm personally grateful that I don't remember what happened. I don't remember any pain or I don't even remember, I remember none of it. I feel like my earliest memory is in like fourth grade. There's this like thing on the PE field that I remember, but I don't really remember anything before that. I don't remember going from appointment to appointment. I think about like as Shane and I get older and talk about having kids and I, my heart hurts for what my parents went through. And I think I speak for myself and my parents that I truly wouldn't, I wouldn't change it. I think that it has so much to do with the confidence that I embody now, regardless of the fact that I am so different. Yeah, I mean, there were trolls on TikTok who made jokes about it and stuff like that, but I feel like I had the upbringing from my parents who showed so much love. They just were constantly reminding me of my worth and how much I loved them despite what happened. And that's why I can face stuff like that the way that I did. I just It just rolled off my shoulders. But there are people out there who it, it's not that easy for them. And so for that, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for the life lessons that it has taught me. It has truly taught me that you don't know what people have gone through. Or you don't know what they're currently going through. When I have a conversation with people they don't know that that's constantly going on in my mind. And same goes with them. Like, I don't know what's going through their mind at the same time. I don't know what has happened to them in their past. And so I just feel like it has made me just more understanding of the pain and suffering that people don't show. And so I, I don't know if this makes sense or answers your question, but truly I wouldn't because I think that it has opened so many doors and I think it's going to open so many more doors. I think that it has made me the person that I am. And as much as I would say that I think it would be cool to see out of two eyes, like I can't see anything in 3D. If you ever have something in 3D where one glass is glass part one side is red and one side is blue, I don't see that 3D. Yeah, it'd be cool to know what that's like, but God made me this way for a reason. And I think that as I get older, I realize that he, he gave me this to carry because he knew that I could carry it. Long-winded, but... I think, so... I This has been emotional for the both of us more than I thought. I mean, I just thought this was going to be easy-peasy to talk about. I think, just for Shane even, this is the first time he's heard me tell it in full. And as he sits here, he actually has the chance to process it. And so seeing it affect him from an outsider is I don't I don't even have the words I'm just so happy that you were able to be strong enough to share your story hopefully this has impacted people's lives but two takeaways I want to say is one I am so proud of you for sharing your story I know it wasn't easy and I know you say you don't remember much but going through cancer and having a part of you removed for the rest of your life at such a young age must have been very, very difficult, not only for you, but your family. So I am very proud of you for sharing. 
And hopefully for people listening, it could help change their lives. And number two, I think I'm so emotional. It's because I know how beautiful Michelle is inside and out. One eye, two eyes, I, it doesn't matter. To sit here and listen that people would make fun of her and bully her and tease her for something she doesn't have control over breaks my heart. As an adult, yeah, we could brush it off, but as a kid, middle school, high school, getting teased over something you can't hide and you can't control must have been so difficult and it breaks my heart knowing how beautiful she is and if people just took the time to stop judging and stop making fun of and just get to know the person, the world would be such a better place. Just be better and you never know what people have to go through and what they're struggling with. You never know what people are thinking and what's behind between their ears. Thank you. Yeah, this was a very tough one. But we hope that you took something away from it and that you learned something about us. I would encourage you, if you have any questions, I know, like I said before, it probably was a little bit all over the place. I'm sure we'll have more on this subject if there are any specific questions. But don't hesitate to reach out on Instagram. You can send us a DM. We appreciate you guys. We have the best support system through you and our Instagram followers. And we're just so grateful for this opportunity that you have provided us and sharing your lives with you. So I'm going to end it here, but do all the fun things like subscribe, follow us on Instagram at underscore the lad life, and we will catch you on the next episode. Thanks so much for tuning in. Join your hosts weekly as they share the raw, unedited lad life. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. We really appreciate that effort, and we'll catch you in the next episode.